We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. This is a house of learning doctors. Follow the Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Lou Dork. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, coming to you live tonight, August 29th, Sunday, 9 p.m. Central Time, on Twitter, Facebook, and of course on YouTube. I am your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. We've got Justin Peabody with me tonight. Hello, everybody. We've also got Taylor Peterson along. Just trying to figure out how to get these live streams uh, connected to our TikTok next. Hey, there you go. I don't know how <laughs> TikTok be, works. Might be longer than 60 yeah. seconds. Yeah, no, yeah, doesn't quite is TikTok limit, limited to 60 yeah, seconds? It's like short yes. clips. Oh, okay. See, I don't even know that. There I just know go, people Nathan. from time to time send me some TikTok videos. Oh, there uh, you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, gentlemen, we, uh, like we said last week, we are in the dog days. Woof. There is not much Woof. going on in the <laughs> NBA world right now, but I figure we'll talk some Thunder stuff. Before we get there, though, we're going to flip the show this week. We're going to do around the association to start the week off. You Ooh. guys ready? No, Ooh. let's do it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> I don't even know where you're sitting at. Like. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. So we did get some transactional news from the NBA we this week that I figured we could chat about a little bit. First one, Larry Markinen, mm, the I've man, him. the myth, the finisher, finally has found a team. He goes to the Cleveland Cavaliers in a three-team sign-and-trade. The Cavs receive Larry Markinen. The Bulls receive Derek Jones Jr., a future first-round pick, a future second-round pick. The Portland Trailblazers get Larry Nance Jr., Justin, who is the winner of this three-team late August sign-in trade? Uh, the Bulls, maybe? Okay. Uh, the reason I say the Bulls is anytime you have a team situation where it, the, the relationship is you know irreparable, like Markkanen wanted out, there's no getting him back. Anytime you can turn that into anything of value, I think is a positive because so often you lose all your leverage in those situations. So while it wasn't like an earth shattering return for marketing, I think being able to get some decent future picks out of the deal, Derek Jones Jr., whatever, but they got some future picks that can maybe help them down the road and they got marketing out of the locker room who clearly didn't want to be there. I, I think that's an okay. That's an okay turn for the Bulls. Yeah, for sure. And those picks, I think, even more important when you look at the Bulls sent out future draft capital to get Lonzo Ball. The yep. Bulls sent out future draft capital to bring in Nikola Vucevic last season, or as my man Kendrick Perkins would say, Babusevic last season. So refilling up that, that cupboard a little bit that is now bare because they've dealt away so many future assets – to replenish that a little bit and get a guy like Derek yep. Jones Jr. who maybe fits the roster a little bit better now. Mm -hmm. I think the Bulls are a good answer there. Taylor, do you have any disagreements? Not not really. I think I, I was kind of the unpopular opinion or healthy unpopular opinion based off what I was seeing on Twitter and social media. I actually kind of liked it for all three teams. Uh, one team, I still liked it less uh, for than the others, which we'll get into. But I'm exactly with Justin and you, Jacob, that I think – I mean, even just you think about marketing, obviously a talent or a player that shows talent, but just hasn't really been able to put together, hasn't been able to take those leaps in development um, that, that I think the Bulls really hope to see from him. Um, and then, like Justin said, him re essentially requesting out, um, being a restricted free agent, all that combined for them to get any sort of draft asset um, for him in return, I think was a fantastic value for uh, the Bulls. Not only did they do that, 
and, and get a, a decent first for him, right? But they also were able to bring in Derek Jones Jr., which I do really like for that team. I think that's a a four forward kind of wing that they can um, that they can bring in and, and can provide some really solid bench minutes for them, for them on both ends of the floor and kind of fits what Billy Donovan is trying to build there. So all that being said, um, I, I did really like it for the Bulls, but I guess just kind of to transition us to the next team, I think the reason, Justin, you said it was kind of close, I'm assuming the other team you're probably talking about there was the Portland Trailblazers. Getting Larry Nance Jr. in this deal was a heck of a job from them. Obviously, um, you know, we, <laughs> we've we been talking about um, – it's uh, and honest and rightfully so making fun of some of the moves that the, the Blazers did um, this off season, um, you know, with, with trying to please Dame or whatnot, the lack of moves that they did. It, it, this was the kind of move. I think I was talking about this on the Friday green room, um, but this is the kind of move I think that Dame was hoping to see. And he was hoping to see like a couple of these kind of moves, <laughs> but one of them is better than none. And I, I really like Larry Nance is going to bring on both ends of the floor for Portland. What are you guys' thoughts on, on having Larry in there uh, heading to Portland and then getting involved in this trade in general? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think it's – oh, Justin, you take it. Go <laughs> go for it. <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's an interesting piece. Like you said, it doesn't feel franchise-altering. It doesn't feel like Dame's like, oh, yeah, that's the one. Like, that's what we needed. But he's he's a positive asset, I think, them having any sort of kind of roster shakeup is going to be beneficial for them at this point. They felt a little bit stagnant, um, which Thunder fans can probably relate to. Uh, there were some years where it felt that way in OKC. So kind of shaking it up a little bit, bringing some new energy into that locker room, I think is going to be good to your point, Taylor. I don't know if it absolutely like alters the course of their franchise for the future, but it certainly doesn't hurt. Yeah, Larry Nance Jr. to Portland feels like a floor raiser. It doesn't mm-hmm. really raise their ceiling much, but it I does like raise their a lot. It does That's raise good. their floor a little bit, right? He's he's a good defender. He's going to be able to play the four for them. Uh, he's going to make their defense a little bit better. Uh, he's going to be able to like short roll and and run some pick and roll with Dame Lillard and and allow whenever the the double comes on Dame to get the ball out of his hands. But Dame wants to win a title. And while Larry Nance is a good player to have on a team that wants to compete, that's not the splash you make to try to go win a title, right? That's, again, it raises your floor. He's going to help them win regular season games. I don't see him being an X factor in a playoff series, right? You're you're not giving Larry Nance Jr. 12 to 15 shots in a playoff game. Um, So to me, like, is it a good pickup? Yeah, sure, right? But it's nothing to get like overly excited about it. It doesn't move the needle for the Portland trailblazers. It's not going to raise their title odds out in Vegas. Right. And then Taylor, you, so you brought up Portland. So I'll bring up Cleveland and I'm going to be real honest with you dudes. I don't know what the hell the Cavs are doing. (laughs) They don't know what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. Like when I said, I liked it less or liked it more, I think than than others, um, on, on social media and just in general, like I obviously understand the, the log champ at the, uh, at the big position. Yeah. Cause um, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> like I hate it. I saw Cavs guys on Twitter trying to talk themselves into Laurie playing the three. I'm just like, oh. dude, see, and yeah. that's kind of where what I, like you have Jared Allen, Mobley. you just drafted Mobley. You've got Kevin love still on this roster. He's not now you're paying Laurie marketing like $17 million a year. Like three that quarters of your salary mad. cap is tied up. Nope. To guys that can strictly like only play the four and the five. Not even all I mean, stars. You can, exactly. I guess you can you can put Laurie at the three 
if you want to get effing cooked all game, <laughs> you know, like yeah, definitely just, doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't like it at all. Doesn't it seem feels like, like good it news. feels like they made a move to make a move. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. It doesn't seem like good news for Kevin Love. Uh, like there, I I feel like he's the odd man out of all those guys oh, you yeah. just named, and so I wonder what his future looks like. Like hey, when when's the Kevin Love wash bomb coming through? Because apparently he doesn't want to be bought out, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think he doesn't want to give up a lot of money and a buyout yeah, is, is really what yeah. it is. But let me ask you guys this: as far as the Portland fit, would you have rather have had Kevin Love in Portland or Larry Nance Jr.? Hmm. I say Larry Nance. I really do. I like that versatility more. And at this point, I, I think that's fair. Career. I don't think uh, Kevin's a bad fit out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Um, but does he move the championship odds no. more than Larry Nance? I don't think he does. No. Yep. Both just floor raisers at this point, I think. And yeah, don't Kevin really understand what the Cavs are doing. And Kobe Altman, you know, might be on the hot seat. This might be his last year as True. the Cavs GM. Desperation makes folks do stuff. Got to make a yep. splash to save your job. Uh, it's just a bad situation for the team, yep. for the roster, for the GM. I don't like it at all. At it's all. In, yeah, it's interesting, especially the jam of that position. I, I, I hate the contract. Like, I'm surprised that they paid Laurie that much if that was the deal that was on the table. Um, and shoot, I don't blame Laurie for saying, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that trade. Uh, I'll sign that offer sheet because he's getting paid. Exactly, yeah. Uh -huh. I'll take the cash. Yeah, right. 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 So, yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of it. So any other league-wide stuff from this week that you guys want to talk about? I don't really think so. Like you yeah, said, kind that of about ways. explains where the NBA is right now, folks. Exactly. <laughs> That's where we're exactly. at. Hey, not really around the association, but I guess around the basketball world. Did you guys see what the U.S. Oh, junior no. yeah. girls team did? <laughs> yes. No. They beat Costa yes, Rica like 124 to 12. Oh, uh -huh. Wow. Yes. Well, that was the, that was the score, wasn't it? Justin, 124, 123 to 12? Yeah, that feels right. It's something in that range. Uh, I feel so was... bad for those Costa Rican girls. Unspeakable. <laughs> like, like, I legitimately feel bad for them. Can you imagine they might go that ass beating for four quarters? Again. Oh, no. man. The, the, worst game that, the worst game I ever played in was a 45-point beating uh, at the hands of Edmund Santa Fe. So I can only assume <laughs> what it would feel like to double that. <laughs> we got beat by a uh, team Texas one time. There was NBA prospects on that team. And I don't even remember um, who they were, but yeah, we got beat by about probably about 50. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's well, it's, it wasn't 110. So <laughs> yeah, bitch. no kidding. Freaking insane. No kidding. Insane. All right. Well, let's get to some thunder talk, gentlemen. So Taylor and I recorded an absolutely awesome. It was awesome. Green room pod. Yes. On Wednesday night. <laughs> it was content. a lot of fun. Great content. We fired off some hot takes. Oh, yeah. We, we made had some, some bold predictions. They were too then, hot, apparently. Yeah, apparently they were just, too hot. Yeah. And Green just, didn't let us. <laughs> it's lost in the ether forever. It's too, too hot for TV. Yes. What's going to happen is I'll probably get it like Tuesday. Months from now. Yeah. Maybe we'll just upload it for the Wednesday pod this next Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, if we if we got it, that would be fine. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we never got the recording, and that sucks. So we're sorry we didn't get you guys a midweek pod. Uh, we were also super busy after that and just had no ability to record another podcast. But speaking of our Wednesday night show will now just be live streamed here where we live stream our Sunday night shows. We're going to be going live Wednesday, either eight or 9 PM. We'll tweet out the link. You guys can come and join us on, on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, 
as we will not be recording on Green Room anymore. Although if you did enjoy the Monday and Friday Green Room Hangouts, we're thinking about transferring those over just to Twitter spaces so you guys can come hang out with us uh, just right there in your Twitter app. It's going to make it a lot more convenient. So we hope you will join us there. So make sure also on Wednesday night you join us right here on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook for another live-streamed show. It will will not, again, will not be on the Green Room app. So since Taylor and I lost our episode on Wednesday, we're going to do a similar episode tonight, gentlemen. And the question for the night is, who's going to score points for the Oklahoma City Thunder? Somebody's got to do it. So <laughs> last season, the Thunder averaged 105 points per game. They were, I think, 28th in the league in points per game. And then if you looked at the the number one team was the Milwaukee Bucks at 120 points per game. Middle of the pack, 14, 15, 16th in the league, scored about 113 points a game. So for our show tonight, we're going to assume the Thunder are going to score 110 to 113 a game next season. Okay, that's going to be our barometer. We're going to go through a list of Thunder players here. Not all of the Thunder players, but quite a bit of them. I'm going to tell one of you, or I guess I'm going to tell both of you, what that player scored last week, or last week, last season. Uh, dude, my my brain is so fried. Last season, what back their points school. per game was last season. Yes, it's the back to school brain for sure. What that player's points per game was last season. We'll talk about their shooting percentages, their field goal attempts, free throw attempts, all of that. And then ultimately, you two have to decide, is that player going to score over last season's point per game or under? So we can debate, will they shoot more free throws? Will they shoot more threes? Will they be more efficient? Will they take more shots overall? Are they going to lose minutes, et cetera, and then decide where their points are going to be? Got it? That Got sounds it. good. Hey, Jacob, though, like on some of these where I, I remember some of these, like, for example, the first one you have on your list, I thought the career high you threw out there was pretty fun because, for example, this first player um, scored it this past season. So I might ask you to look that back up again because that was really fun. Uh, fun back. Yeah, forth, definitely. definitely. So <laughs> Taylor and I have alluded to alluded to it a few times, but our Wednesday show was which of these players are going to score or going to break their career high in points in a single game. And we debated all the Thunder players. Uh, we looked at their highest points in a game ever and decided, are they going to to break that next season? And it was a freaking blast. Yeah. <laughs> it's a loss to, the, loss to the ether, though. Maybe one day we'll find Out it. Out there again. in the cloud. Yep. <laughs> all right. Justin, you're first up. And the okay. player you get is Kenrich Williams. Mm, uh, so to give hustle. you a breakdown of uh, Kenny Hustle's numbers last season, he played in 66 games started 13 of them and he scored eight points per game his he shot 6.2 field goal attempts a game only 1.83s shot 53 percent from the floor 44 percent from the three-point line and he shot uh a whopping 57 percent from the free throw line only one free mm. throw attempt a game so kenrich six shots a game one free throw a game averaged eight points Justin, I want you to walk us through. Is Kenrich going to score more than eight points next season, 8.0 or less? The first thing that jumps off out of those stats is the discrepancy between the three-point percentage and the free-throw percentage. Like, how often do you see that? I yeah, feel he, was like, a, he was 50-40-50 last season. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> um, Kenny Hustle, eight points a game. Honestly, that feels about right. 
without that's going a good over under. Yeah, without going too deep into you know what some of the other players scored, like it feels kind of if you break the Thunder roster into tiers, that feels about right for the tier where I would place him. You know, he's not he's not going to be a consistent double digit guy a game, but he's also not going to be let's say you know Charlie Brown Jr. with four point four points a game. That feels too low. So somewhere somewhat in the middle feels kind of right for Kenny Hustle. If I have to pick over or under, I'm going to say over like (laughs) 8.1. Okay. But I think that, I think that feels about right for Kenny Hustle. So you're going over by 0.1 points per game. I love it. Um, Do you think his shot attempts stay the same, Justin? So stat wise, kind of looking at what he did last year, um, like you said, 6.2 attempts per game. If anything, I think that might go down. I think that's fair. You got to remember that he played a lot whenever exactly. the good players were gone. Exactly. Um, and I feel like with the Thunder are going to want to do some more exploration with how many young guys they're adding to this team. And especially when one of those young guys is Trey Mann, who I expect to take a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. I feel like that that number is probably not going up. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of exactly what Jacob and I were talking about when it came to Kenrich um, on Wednesday on, on Green Room. We were talking about his role with the team. And like, uh, Jacob, I, I don't even remember now. This is one of the guys I was kind of alluding to uh, when I mentioned this earlier. But do you can you look up maybe um, what his season high was in points and also his, his three, his, I remember his uh, three-point attempts season high being ridiculous also. Like, just the kind of player that he is. We kind of talk about him being more of a glue guy, um, a high effort guy that I think will play uh, really well, will fit really well with this kind of offense and system that uh, Dagnall's putting in place as we saw this past season, right? Like, I think we talked about this, but there was offers for Kenny, uh, apparently for Kenneth Williams at the deadline, the Thunder decided to keep him because they like him. However, if we're talking about guys like uh, Josh Giddy coming in and and putting up shots and trying to develop him, we want Poku to be scoring the ball more and averaging more points and shot attempts. You mentioned Trey Mann, Justin. That's a great example. You're bringing in more and more scores or or players that we think are going to be scoring the ball, which means players like Kendrick Williams are just going to have much less of an opportunity, even when they are in the game. I mean, from a minute standpoint, yes, even when they are in the game just a, a shoot shot attempt. <laughs> it just is not quite going to be there. It's not going to be the role ass of Kenrich. Like it was um, the second latter part of this past season. So I'm with you both completely. I think it's going to be an under um, and, and a lot of stats for Kenrich. Yeah. Kenny's highest scoring game ever in his three year career in the league came last season with the thunder. He scored 24 points in a game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in that game, uh, I don't have his field goal attempts up, but the most two-point attempts he ever took in a game was 11 um, last season, and the most three-point attempts he took in a game last season was five. Oh, only five. Okay, never mm-hmm. mind. I was wrong there, but still, I don't see him uh, doing that very often again. Yep. <laughs> so we got eight. Po- we got over for Kenny Hustle at 8.1 points per game. Taylor, <laughs> the next one is yours. You get Isaiah Roby. Isaiah Roby played in 61 games last year, started in 34 of those games. He scored 8.7 points per game, took seven field goal attempts, 1.8 three-point attempts, and two free throw attempts a game. His free throw percentage was 74%. 
his three-point percentage was 29.5, and his field goal percentage was 48%. So 8.7 points a game for Roby on a total of seven shots and two free throw attempts per game. Taylor, talk us through it and tell us, you going over or under on that 8.7, and what is your number? So this is another really tough uh, really tough one because again, like to the point I made with Ken Richards, more players coming in this season that we, and even existing players on this roster that we expect to have more shot attempts and, and more, and to be scoring the ball more uh, in general. However, like we've talked about, like this roster really lacks a true center outside of favors who I don't expect to be just be getting a ton of minutes, even while he's on the team. Um, and because of that, Roby kind of fills that void of a, quote unquote, big, um, you know, positionless big or whatever you want to call it that I think that the Thunder will be playing. So I think the opportunity is going to be there for him. Um, And this honestly feels like another really good over under like eight and a half for Roby. I think I'm going to take the under just because I think there's going to be other players that the um, the Thunder stat coaching staff and organization is going to be prioritizing over Roby and the scoring opportunity might just not be there for him. But again, I'm kind of torn on that just because by default, I think Roby is going to get a decent amount of minutes um, playing like a, you know, quote unquote five um, or even the forward position. Now I'm looking at like his shot attempts or his field goal attempts um, for the season, average seven a game, um, only average 1.8 from three, which makes sense. Um, but I, I don't think he's seven a game sounds about right, but I don't even know if he's going to get that with this team. And maybe I'm a little pessimistic or being a little pessimistic, but with all that being said, I, I, I'm going to under on Roby just because I think the opportunity is just not going to be there for a player like him this this season. Very good. So what number are you giving him? He he was at, what do we say, 8.7? 8.7. Um, How many is he going to score? I bet he'll be like, I think he'll be a point less per game probably next season. So 7.7? Um, 7? Like 7 point, yeah. 7.5 when yeah, round numbers. <laughs> we'll, we'll go 7.7. That sounds fair. Um, yeah. Taylor, I think this is good. I would have gone the under as well here. Uh, something I don't think we've talked about a lot. I haven't heard a lot of Thunder folks talk about a lot. I think Jeremiah Robinson Earl is going to take a lot of Isaiah Roby's possessions. That's a good point. Good point. Right. That's and how, how old is Roby? Let's find this out. He was 22 last season. He'll be 23 this season. So JRE actually not that much younger yeah. than him, but a much longer runway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... I just think you're going to see the role that Isaiah Roby played last year and some of those minutes. I think you're going to see JRE start to steal some of those. I think JRE yeah. is basically just the Thunder are hoping that JRE is going to be the better version of Roby. And I want to be surprised if you see Roby get traded at some point next season. I like that. Yeah. Is that crazy? Like that no, Justin, no, not at all. No, I don't think it's crazy. I think that goes back to the theme of roster exploration. I I could see beginning of the season, Roby getting a lot of burn and they're going to see what they have. And if that doesn't show like a lot of potential or a big jump from last year, if it's just kind of more the same, I could see him getting moved. And then second half of the season, a lot of those minutes going to JRE or, you know, depending on whatever they get back in a trade for Roby, if there's some other prospect there, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get some burn to start the season. Just again, to see like what's changed since last year. I think that is spot on. That is very fair. Um, Roby will be 24 in early February. So he's, he's approaching 24 he's old man. So yeah. old. Oh yeah. Like- 
Um, and hit for as far as his contract, <laughs> he is only under contract with the Thunder for one more year at 1.9 million. That is a non-guarantee. Sorry, it's a team option. There's a team option on it. Uh, uh, I'm not sure how much huh. that option is for, but it is a team option. So. This could be a make it. We kind of talked about it. You know, I don't know if we should maybe go. Well, we'll get into Baisley. This could be a similar situation for Roby as well. Kind of a make yeah. it break it year. Well, friend. Taylor, we talked a lot about Baisley and a we make it a break it year on Wednesday. <laughs> and again, the internet, the internet took that away from us. Justin, you are up, my man. And you get the sauce god himself, <laughs> Ty Jerome. Player. This is Ty Jacob's, Jerome. Jacob's favorite player. I, dude, I am Bring all aboard for his birthday. Hey, please. <laughs> Ty Jerome played in 33 games last season, only started one of them, surprisingly enough. Averaged 10.7 points per game. He took 8.7 field goal attempts. He shot 44.6%. He took five threes and shot 42.3% on those. And he only took one free throw attempt a game. He shot 76.5% on those. So 10.7 points per game for Ty on 8.7 field goal attempts and one free throw attempt. Again, the big number there is the nearly 43% from three on five attempts a game. Justin, talk us through it. Where's Ty ending up at? I could see him going over slightly. I think that the 8.7 field goal attempts per game could go up slightly. Um, you think just so? Look, I, slightly. Um, I, I do. I think losing, um, you know, some of the, some of the players that aren't coming back like Sfi, for example, who was all, who was taking 9.4 attempts a game. I think that opens up things a little bit. Sfi and Ty played a lot together. Um, I think that, you know, obviously Ty is not going to be out there with four people. Now there's going to be someone else out there, but I could see it going up slightly to like nine, not, not a big jump, but probably enough to push that average. Uh, if he carries his averages to like a low 11, something like that. Um, just a slight increase in production. I don't think he's going to be coming out, you know, shooting 12 times a game or 15 times a game or something like that. (laughs) Um, but I do think that, you know, he, he, like you said, he only played in 33 games last year. I think that number is likely to go up as well. I think so getting him some more access to the floor, getting a little more comfortable, getting a little more in a rhythm. Um, although the thunder guard room is very crowded, uh, I think Ty Jerome has a place in it. And I think that he'll, he'll have the opportunity to go out and prove it. Nice. So I was going to mention that Justin is that, the reason I was kind of questioning you there, we know the Thunder at guard is stacked. And is there going to be mm. enough minutes for all these guys? Another thing Taylor and I talked about on Wednesday, we're just going to reminisce because yeah. we're pissed. <laughs> Ty, Ty is six foot five. Yep. Yeah. If you want to play him a little at the three, you could. But Justin, this brings yeah. up a very fun question that I, I want you to answer. So first off, you said you're taking over. Ty's going to score more than 10.7 points per game. You put it at the low 11. So you just want to put it at 11 even? I'm just going to take, you know, whatever. Just add 0.1 to everybody. That's what I'm going to do all (laughs) night. cheating bastard. I'm going to Ted Lasso this thing. I believe in everybody. You're not allowed to. We're all going to get better. We're going to even. We're going to get 1% better. (laughs) Here's my question for you, Justin. Yes. Ty Jerome in his 33 games played, uh, 23.9 minutes. Teo Maladone, 27.4 minutes. 
does that gap close next season? Or does Ty Jerome overtake Teo? Or does it grow the other way? Like in, instead of closing, mm. the gap widens where Teo plays even more minutes per game hmm. than Ty next season. That's interesting. Um, I think it might grow slightly. Oh, wow. I think it might grow slightly because of Teo being 19. Like I could see Teo being the, you know, de facto number one backup point guard. There's so many guards that that rotation is not going to be that clean. You know, guys are going to be playing together. It's not going to be a 18 B team type situation. But if you were to define it that way, I feel like that's Teo's role. Like he is the number one backup point guard, however you want to define that. Um, And, and so I think uh, I could see it growing slightly. Okay. I I agree. I just wonder, like, I think Ty Jerome and Teo's roles are going to be different where I see him, uh, him being Ty battling for minutes with somebody like a trade man. I think that's kind of the off ball scoring role for that second unit. Um, like Jacob said, there's going to be times and plenty of times, I think, where we see all three of them on the floor together, mm-hmm. probably just because of, in the, you know, uh, for, for player development reasons. Yeah. Um, but I, I think just because of that, and I think I'm probably contradicting what I said on Wednesday, I, I, I probably am going under on the points per game for Ty Jerome. But here's the thing, and this is kind of fun. This is something that, that Jacob and I talked about. 23 points is his, his career high that came on April 8th this past season against the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was nine of 16 from the floor, five of nine from three, um, only shot nine times from, from outside, which was kind of interesting. I, mean, I thought I shot more than that. I don't know about you guys, but I think he's going to shatter that out of the way. Like I would not be surprised if we see like a handful of 30 point games from Ty and maybe that I would love it just based off averages, <laughs> right? Like man, the kid can shoot the piss out of the ball, man. Can, exactly. Exactly. Second highest three point percentage on the team last year. Yeah. And so, I mean, you guys are kind of talking about it here, but I could see lineups with Teo, Ty, and Trey, the triple T. We're we're on to something there already as far as a t shirt. I mean, (laughs) wrestling had a triple H, the Thunder have the triple T. But I I could see all three of those. I mean, six three, six four, six five. Basketball reference has has Teo at six four one seventy five. That's crazy. He's no longer 175. That yeah, man weighs much more now. That's a yep. big dude. Much more. He's got to be closer to like 190 at this point. So I could <laughs> see all three of those guys playing yep. together on bench lineups yep. from time I to agree. time. So for sure. All right. So we have Ty Jerome scoring a little bit over at 11.0 points per game next season. Taylor, you lucked out, my man. Yes. You you lucked out. I have out. to remember the hot takes, and I can't remember the hot takes. I, it's, they'll come back to me. They'll come back to me. All right. This I've got thoughts. I'll voice them after Taylor gets his thoughts. his time to shine here. <laughs> Alexei Pokashevsky. Po- Pokashevsky. Okay. I like Shaq. how I said that. Alexei Pokashevsky. Unacceptable. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, or as our friend Shaq likes to call him. Alexei Pokashevsky. <laughs> 45 games last season for the Thunder, 28 starts, scored 8.2 points per game. He shot 9.1 field goal attempts, only 34% from the field. He shot 4.6 three-point attempts, only 28% from three. He shot 0.9 free throw attempts a game. He was 74% from the free throw line. So 8.2 points a game on 9.1 shots and one free throw attempt. 
Taylor, talk us through Poku and if that number is going up or down. Oh, he's shattering, shattering that number. We're talking I like, I mean, I, I, he Poku could be flirting with like 15 points per game by the end of this season. Ooh, so I'm almost trying to get double. as hot as I can. I see my, uh, my hot takes for that. Here's the thing with Poku is I think he is going to be featured much more this upcoming season within the offense. Um, I want to see those shot attempts go up, um, which is kind of tough. Like we said, based off some of these other young players that the Thunder are bringing in, even then, I want to see Poku be aggressive. Um, I want to see those shot attempts continue to go up because we need it. This is this is kind of the year for Poku in terms of um, trying to maybe see what his ceiling actually is. Uh, I, I think this is the, the season we kind of find out: is he more of like a role player? Is he more of like a Gallo, for example, um, Danilo Gallinari? uh in terms of the nba or is he going to be like this nba unicorn where the, the ceiling is the sky's the limit right for lack of he's the seven term. foot luca you hit it right, heard yeah, it right, here yeah, first that's right that's right so it, seriously <laughs> i i do want to see the thunder more more offense through him not even just from a scoring standpoint but even just you know some pick and rolls pick and pops um even some um you know just letting him facilitate some and so just based off that i think he's going to have so much more of an opportunity um, that we're going to see those those uh, that scoring go up. Um, I think he he has improved his strength. That's obviously going to be the biggest weakness for him. Um, I'm trying to think back to Wednesday. I, I think I was talking about um, his, his shooting, his shooting motion just in general, right? Like um, that that shot was very flat. Um, his release was like way out in front of him, or just like directly in front of him. I want to see that release much higher. Uh, and by doing so, I, I think I kind of compared it. To again, another hot take, uh, Kevin Durant, in the sense that you, that length, that length that he has, and if you have a high enough release, there's not a single defender in the NBA that can come out and contest your shot, right? So if he can get that shot above his head, um, I think I got smart guy NBA on Wednesday as well, and, and was talking about hip flexibility, right? I think for Poku, a lot of that really is um, getting those hips lower, getting a little more legs into the shot, and then again, um, getting get that release higher is going to be huge for him from a shooting standpoint. I think it's going to help his scoring ability. I think he's going to improve there. He's going to be stronger. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over on all those. I think we were talking about like his uh, career high that he had his his rookie season. He'll, he'll crush that also. Yeah, Very so, high, on Poku. So eight point two points per game last season for Poku. You're taking the over. You said quite a bit. Where are you putting it at? Uh, realistically, I think it will probably be somewhere like around thirteen points per game. Um, I like it. I, and I think that's a good number. That's uh, what I was going to say. If you were sticking with 15, 15? I was going to take somewhere <laughs> in that range. Uh, we're talking most improved at that point. For, yeah. <laughs> for reference, Shay scored 11, his, his rookie year. And then his next year, he scored 19 and oh, the following perfect. year he scored 24. So, so I think 8.2 up to 13. I think that's a realistic jump. I think Poku's percentages yep. will be much better next season. Yep. Yes. I could also see those shot attempts going up as well. Uh, yeah, I I think 13 points per game, I don't know. Like, you think of how averages work, right? Like, I personally believe that we're going to have over three games next season. If they, you put the over-under at 3.5 on how many 30 pieces Poku has next year, I'm taking the over, which is going to mean he's going to have to have some some stinkers too. So... I don't know. 13 seems like good growth for a kid that young. For yeah. reference, 13 on last year's team would have been fifth best right behind Darius Baisley at 11 oh, points wow. or at uh sorry, at 13.7. So he yeah, would have been right above point. right above Hami, George Hill, Ty Jerome, 
and right behind Darius Baisley. So I, my 15 somewhere... might have been too far off. <laughs> 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 like that's kind of the point of this exercise. Like somebody's yeah. going to have to score the ball this season. Right. You don't have like Horford chipping in for, you know, a, a solid 12. Um, you know, um, George Hill's not there to start the season. Yep. I don't Hami. know. That, that's interesting. Yeah. No, homie, right. <laughs> no, homie, no Sfee. We're looking at guys like Lou. No Moses Shea, Brown, Paisley, like Bucket. And Horford. Yeah, yep. right. So there's going to be opportunities for guys like Giddy and, um, and Man, which we'll get into, step and take those roles. But definitely super high well, on Poku. J- Jacob, we had like a, there was a burning take about Poku, and I just can't remember it. I'm really sad now. I fired off a lot of Poku stuff on yeah. Wednesday. <laughs> Um, he, I, I said that he was going to blow out his previous, uh, career high in, in, in a points in a single game. I talked about how I, I can't remember that. I'm just very, very, very high on Poku. I think yeah. he's going to be really good next season. Um, and I think he's going to show that he, he has the ability to be something very special. Ooh, we talked about triple doubles with Poku. There oh yeah. I think, I think the over under on that 3.5, I'm taking the over on that as well. Ooh, he's go. just he's now just gonna talking. he's just gonna do a lot now we're talking honestly he's gonna do a lot all right guys well we are four <laughs> players in here we've done williams kenrich williams isaiah roby ty jerome alexei pokashevsky and so far based off my very shoddy math that's 20.7 31.7 39.8 points between these four guys okay so we're uh we're on a good we're on a good pace here Okay, Justin, we're back okay. to you. You get a guy that you've watched play live basketball oh. uh, relatively recently. Yes. And Teo Maladone. Teo Maladone last season, 10.1 points per game. He played 65 games, started 49 of them. It's a lot. That is a, a lot. lot. 9.4 field goal attempts. He only shot 37% from the field. He shot 33.5% from three. Uh, 4.8 attempts from three. He didn't reach the number you thought he would get to, Justin. That's why you sing the French national anthem okay. live on our podcast. <laughs> he took two free Good throw times. attempts a game at 75%. So 10.1 points per game for Teo on 9.4 field goal attempts and two free throws. So he's scoring over or under 10.1 next season. For those not viewing the live stream, I am wearing my Paris Saint-Germain jersey. I saw again. that. Shout you out like that? Messi. Um, yeah, that's a little more for Messi than it is Teo, but Teo, my sweet boy, I think he is going to up his percentages this season. I don't know if his attempts are going to go way up. I feel like 9.4 attempts is a pretty good spot for him, but I don't think that he'll have another year shoot shooting 37%. And it, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to make another bet on it, but I don't think he'll shoot 33 and a half percent from three this year either i expect both of those percentages to go up he looked more comfortable in summer league um he looked more aggressive but i think a lot of that had more to do with it being summer league and him being like the only person that had played in real nba action um i expect him to to have some growth to his game this year but i think a lot of it will come through shooting percentages being more comfortable in the nba having all those games experience 65 games like you mentioned 65 out of the 72 they played last season is a good jump for a 19 year old. So I expect him to be more comfortable to shoot a little bit better enough to let's take him up to 11. Yeah. From 10.1 right. to 11. So you kind of like hit it. 
you hit exactly, I think, what Jake and I were uh, were talking about in the sense of, you know, I, I brought those same percentages, uh, Justin. Like you said, 36.8% from the field on, um, uh, I want shot attempts per game where they go. 9.7. Uh, 9.0, thank you. <laughs> like, 9. that's pretty 4, high. Pardon, 9. Uh, 4. No, it was, yeah, and, and only 33.5% from three. Um, like that, he was shooting a lot. And again, mm-hmm. you know, Teo had led the team in, in not only games played, but minutes played as well. Um, a lot of that being due to shaving out the latter, the latter half of the season. Um, and so I think they are very invested in Teo. Um, you know, we, we saw that as well, uh, just him playing in summer league and kind of being featured there. And so because of that, um, I, I think I'm with you in the sense that he's still going to have opportunity, but he's not going to... <laughs> lead the league or lead the, the team in minutes or games played. And he, I, I think those percentages go up because he's going to be more efficient, more in kind of a role that they envision him going forward and not so much like out of his comfort zone. Like he might've been the latter half of last season. I think you're exactly right. I'm going to be the dissenting view here, guys. I think Teo's percentages will be better. This is the direction I thought Justin was going. I think Teo's percentages will be better. Uh, I don't think he's going to shoot 37% from the field. I don't think he's going to shoot 33% from three. But I think those field goal attempts are going down. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it could be a, as far as like, not sheer number, but the percentage drop, I think could be fairly significant. Like I could see him going from 9.4 shots a game down to like seven. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that would be a stretch at all. Like if, if it were up to me, and I could choose to have Teo take two more shots a game or Trey Mann take two more shots a game. I'm picking Trey Mann. Yeah. You know, I'm and, with and you. So, I think his role is going to be very different. This yeah. I, I think, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. I'm just, I think Teo is solid. I just don't see a very high ceiling there at all. Um, Taylor, or sorry, Justin, you mentioned it earlier. Like you said, his, his role is very well defined right now as like the number one backup point guard. Yep. I think that's like his NBA ceiling is like I, number mm-hmm. one backup point guard. I agree. He's yep. got a very game manager type style to his play and that can change, you yeah. know, th- taking into account his age and his experience and everything that could change. But I'm with you, Jacob, as of now kind of seems to be the path that he's on. The he doesn't looking, take risks. He's, yeah, he, he's like your boy Teo cons- or a uh, tie. Yeah. yeah, and Poku pulling right? up from half court. He's a little <laughs> different in the sense right. that he's he's yeah. just incredibly conservative. He doesn't take risks. Like if I had to choose, um, like uh, of Trey Mann, we mentioned the the, the triple T earlier. Trey Mann, Teo Maladon, Ty Jerome. Like if one of those guys has to go this season, it's Teo for me, and I don't give it a second thought. Yeah, like he he's he's young, he's solid. I just. I don't see a world where he's much more. I mean, his percentages can get better, but if you were to tell me right now that Teo's career averages are 10 points, three rebounds, three and a half assists, which is what he posted last year, I would 100% believe you. Yeah. You know, I I can see that just being his career. I think I I take, I think I take Teo over Ty personally. Okay. Because I think that, you know, Ty shows some more fearlessness, but I, I don't see the super high ceiling with, with Ty either. He's he's flashier, and he maybe has more highlight plays, but I don't know that he's going to be impacting a team 
more Can than you ever do that consistently. Yeah. That's what you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that like star point guard potential in his future. I don't see that like starting consistent starting guard in the NBA and Ty Jerome's future either. He, he'll be a fair. spark score. It, it, right. Like kind of like a microwave score um, almost seems to be his NBA ceiling. Yeah. Um, but I, I, and I, I think part of that is like what your preference is. And, and sure. especially with this thunder team, like, if you were to tell me both Ty Jerome and Teo Maladone for their career are just number one backup point guards on a team, I would believe you. But mm-hmm. I would say Ty Jerome is going to be the Lou Williams esque. I'm going to come in. I'm going to. I'm a bucket. I'm going to light it up. I'm going to score 15, 16 points a game. But maybe I lack in other spots. Whereas Teo Maladone is going to be your more steady hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I compared him Wednesday night. Justin on the pod again that we don't have now, uh, but I, I compared him to, um, um, oh my gosh, his name is, is slipping Eric Maynard, Eric oh, Maynard. There we yeah, go. Yeah. I compared him a lot to Eric Maynard, just very conservative, slow paced, yep. always makes the right read, never forces anything. And so yep. I think part of it is not that one of those guys is necessarily going to have a higher ceiling or be better than the other. It's just the role they play. Yep, I think right, it's going to be sure. very different. I think for me, a big factor is that Teo's 19 and Ty Jerome's 23. And That's thinking fair. about this team, I think that would that would play a role for me in mm-hmm. terms of yep. like, you know, what else can they show me? I'm going to bet on the 19-year-old. And that's, that's, that's the counterpoint I made to, to Jacob here a couple nights ago. I said the same thing and that, well, I personally maybe would, would rather just see like Ty Jerome un- unleashed. I think the fact that we saw Teo lead the team in minutes played, um, you know, again, the the huge disclaimer there being the the circumstances the Thunder found themselves in the latter half of the season. But I think they're very invested in Teo. I think Summer League kind of uh, reaffirmed uh, that stance for me. And I think even like we might even get frustrated with it, just seeing some of the the spotlight that Teo gets this coming year as well. Yeah, no, I, uh, I think it's all fair. I think all that is really fair. And, Part of it, I'm just but biased. I agree with you, though. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm very biased. I love Ty, so I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm choosing Ty. I do too. Right? I do too. That's just lot. that's my guy. So that's kind of like him, I think you know? he might not be playing point guard, right? Like he might be playing yep. more of like a he'll handle the. I worked spending way too much time on Ty. I'm sorry, <laughs> but anyways, playing some off ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. No, that that's a good one. I think that brings up a really good debate and. You know, I, I also I feel think like our, at, at, our preseason bets this season are going to be spicy, and I'm really excited. Okay. I've started a list. Well, you know what? We still haven't paid off last year's. We so, haven't. Uh, we haven't. I know Thanks, we, we, we are not getting together right yeah, now right. To, for Thanks, the top COVID. shot stuff, but as far as like the food payouts, we at least need to like go take True. a picture of us getting the food and like Venmo True. each other or something. Like, there we go. Put yes. it, making it happen. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Your that was audio weird. went, went Cut out to yourselves. We are good. We're back. <laughs> Don't need restream crapping out on us after Spotify did. <laughs> uh oh, we lost Jacob. Okay, so here we go. I am taking over. I'm the captain now, Justin, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you the next one here. Oh, he's already back. That my uh, my time as host. <laughs> Your coup has failed. <laughs> Some technical difficulties. Apologies. You're folks. back. <laughs> um, it's Taylor's yeah, turn. Yes. Yeah, I was yes. ready. I was taking oh, over. I was hosting this thing. Taylor is the, <laughs> I am the captain I'm now. He literally said that. <laughs> did he really? <laughs> of course he did. The, Jacob think, knows me well. This is a sign that we just podcast too much together, exactly. guys. <laughs> so, Taylor, your turn. Yes. Yes. This is going to be a fascinating one to me. Oh, 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 this is where I got spicy on Wednesday. <laughs> I'm ready. 
Bring the spice. Lugens Dort. Last season, he played in 52 games, started in 52 games, 14 points per game on 12.3 field goal attempts. His field goal percentage, only 39%. He did take 6.3 threes per game last season, shot 34% from the three-point line, 3.2 free throw attempts, and he shot 74% from there. So 14 points, 12.3 total shots per game, 3.2 3.2 free throw attempts a game. Where do you got Lou Landon at this season, Taylor? So I think there's probably a lot of people that would disagree with me on this. Um, I think that 14 points per game is a pretty solid over under. Uh, I think it's season. really close. Really I think it's cl- really and, close. And here's the thing is like, he's going to have, he's not going to have as much of a scoring role um, on this team. Right. Um, like we said that they're bringing in, there's already so many guards. A lot of those guards are going to be expected to score and, and shoot the basketball. You know, I mentioned earlier, uh, Poku maybe having a bigger role um, this upcoming season and, and that including him scoring the ball more. So like taking all that into consideration, um, like I don't see him uh, maybe getting the opportunities that he had, like he did in the latter half of the season where we saw him go for 42 points against the jazz. Uh, we saw him string together like three games of like, um, almost 30 plus <laughs> right there. Took like 24, 25 shot attempts in a and game. Those attempts are going to go down, but here's the thing. I see those percentages staying up and even if he's shooting the ball less. Um, and so because of that 38 point, uh, 38% from the field, um, only 34.3% from three, I think he's going to be more efficient there. I really do. And so I really like that 14 points per game for him. I think we're going to see a, a little more defined role for Lou, um, but I think he's still going to score the ball the ball at a more efficient rate um, from outside, particularly, but also being able to create for his teammates. I'm just I'm really excited to see the the growth of Lou. So you going over or under? Or are you pushing it? Oh, I want to push it. I like 14.0. Hey, th- this Taylor hit the nail on the head, Justin. For me, I think the exact same. I think 14 points per game for for Lou next season is solid but I see that 12.3 field goal attempts a game coming down I see especially that field goal percentage rising the three point percentage maybe coming up a little bit but I think the equalizer here is the free throw attempts agreed wholeheartedly I think, I think Lou's going to get downhill he's going to get to the basket we talked a lot last season about how Lou did not finish at the rim well at all. Mm-hmm. I think he will finish better at the rim, and I think he will absorb contact with that linebacker body. And I th- I could see that free throw attempts from 3.2 going up to like five a game and him mm-hmm. making up points from, from lost field goal attempts at the free throw line. I think that's I, – I, I could realistically see that happening. Yep. I agree. I think that's a good call. I think that that's we talked about it. Uh, was it last week where we gave out homework? That that's that's one of the things that he can go work on, and I think I think he'll he'll be able to make an improvement. It's one of those situations where it's probably not going to go down, <laughs> and if it does, you're probably pretty concerned. But I think you guys are spot on. Yeah, it's good stuff. Now I will say, if Lou shoots better from the field. Let's say he gets that 38.7 up to like 42 or 43%. Even if that three-point percentage just climbs from 34.3 to like 35.3. But he scores like 16 or 17 points a game and makes another jump in points per game. Like, I think we need to have a really long conversation about Lugans Dort at that point. 
Like right now, I think he is a solid NBA player. Mm-hmm. I think he's proven that for a lot of teams, he would be an NBA starter or a high-level bench player, uh, even on a, a really, really good playoff team. But if he comes back next season and on the year, he is more efficient, still the same defender, passes a little better, and averages 17 points a game, Yep. we need to have a long talk about yep, how that right. guy's about to make $22, 23000000 million a season. He, exactly. He, he showed flashes. You know, He had that really hot streak of shooting and scoring last season, so mm-hmm. we know he's capable of it. Like you said, it's just, can he do that consistently? And if so, then he's... And in a more defined role, too. Because you, yeah. you also don't want Lou, like... Uh, Again, early in his development, it's great to have like a game seven like he did against the Rockets two seasons ago and to have like that stretch of games like he did in the second half. I, I, believe, I believe it was April when he strung together like, you know, 26 points, like 28 points, 34 points or whatever it was. Um, but can he do that in a more defined role uh, within the offense? And I think he's going to be able to. But again, like with Dort, I'm as irrationally high on him and excited about him as as uh, Jacob is, Ty, maybe even more so. Um, I just I think he's going to have and I, I think the the organization values him. They're going to have the opportunity because they have pretty clean books moving forward where they're going to be able to pay him that kind of contract. And where Nick's saying, like, maybe you get value for him before he gets maybe to the point where he's quote unquote overpaid. I don't think that's going to be the case with Lou just based off the um the continued leaps that he's going to take. And so therefore I think the Thunder will lock him up um, at a favorable contract that he'll like, sorry, favorable for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, 12.3 field goal attempts for Lou last season. If I place the over under at 11.1 for next season, you guys going over or under. I'm going to go over because I think especially early on the season, especially with a lot of the youth that they are bringing in like Giddy and, um, Trey Mann, like some of these guys that might be a little more comfortable scoring later on the season. I think Lou's going to be taking a lot of uh, the offensive load early on. Excuse me. So I think uh, I think that's a I, I'm taking the over. Still probably under 12, but um, I think right around 11 points per game is is uh, is pretty accurate based off what he'll be doing early on this season, first half of the season. I think I think I'm going under. I think his field goal attempts go down. And I think a lot of that has to do with SGA's change in playing time this season. He he spent a lot of time as kind of the primary guy on offense, which I don't think will be his role very often this year. Um, I think that he kind of over-indexed when Shea was out of kind of carrying the load, especially early on, like early on in SGA's injury time period, Lou kind of stepped up and took that load and I I don't see that being the same type of situation this season. So if I had to bet, I'd, I'd go slightly under. So not to derail us, and Jake, if you, if you want to save this exercise for once we get through this list of players, we can. But I'm looking at the total field goal attempts per game because Justin brought up a really good point there. Um, 88 exactly field goal attempts per game for the Thunder this past season. So if we're talking about Lou having, let's say, 11, we're talking about Poku having maybe like, shoot, let's say 13 or 14 for him. And Shay having what, like 18? Mm-hmm. Um, that right there would put us at about half of those attempts per game, a yep. little under. Something's got to give, right? Yeah. Something's definitely got to give. It's it's an interesting it, it's an interesting dilemma that I, I'm fascinated to see how it's going to play out. Yep. So, all right, gentlemen, we have two more left. Uh, unfortunately, we can't do like 
giddy man and JRE on this because they didn't play in the league last season. So we can't really <laughs> give a look at their last season production. So we're not going to set expectations for the rooks. Um, Taylor just did Lou. So Justin is up with Darius Baisley. Ooh, okay. this is a real, another, I, I say this a lot. This is an interesting one because we saw <laughs> how much bases, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, like his possessions, his, um, his usage. That's what I'm looking for. How much his usage went up hmm. whenever Shea left with the plantar fasciitis last season. So Baisley started in 55 games last season, scored 13.7 points per game. He took 12 and a half field goal attempts, shot 40% from the field, took 5.23s, only shot 29% on those, shot 3.2 free throw attempts, and shot 70% on those. So 13.7 points on 12 and a half field goals and three free throws. Justin, what say you? What's going to happen with Darius Baisley? So I want to give two more stats in context of the rest of the roster. Okay. The only people who shot more attempts per game than Darius Baisley last season was Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and Al Horford. Wow. The only people with a lower effective field goal percentage last season, he was pretty much tied with Teo Maladon, but the only people lower is Justin Robinson, Poku, Charlie Brown Jr., and Josh Hall. <laughs> So my man is shooting almost the most on the team and shooting almost the worst on the team. Mm -hmm. And that matches the eye test. That is kind of the summation of Darius Baisley's season last year. It felt like he was forcing it all year. And I think that this is going to be an important year for Baisley to put some stuff together. You can't keep shooting that much if you're going to keep shooting that poorly. And I think that's going to come to a head at some point this season. Either he's going to figure it out and find his stroke. The the 70% from the line is fine. It makes you hope that the you know 29% from three can go up. Um, it makes you hope that like the shot is there. He just needs to find it. We saw it in, you know, the the bubble showed us some flashes from Baisley that made you think maybe he's gonna be able to contribute this season and this season, it just never came to fruition. So we're going to need to see something out of Bayes this year. If I'm putting money on it, I don't have confidence in it. I, I'm, I'm going under all around for Bayes. Um, but I hope, I hope he can turn it around because he has all the potential in the world. He just kind of needs to figure it out. And maybe this is the season. This is going to be the most normal season he's ever had in the NBA. Maybe that's what he needs to that's put it together. Point. Maybe not, you know, not having vets coming in and out, not having a bubble, not having a pandemic, not having a shortened season, not having all oh. of those things. Well, there, I think they're still going to be playing a college basketball. Well, yeah, yeah, true. slightly, but different though, right? Yes, yes. there'll be not fans the in the same. stands. Exactly. Not playing in empty arenas, probably not getting your nose poked as often. Um, th things like that. It's going to be yeah. different. We're not going to um, get into the, is Darius Baisley vaccinated or not <laughs> argument on this episode. I think we saw him in one of those pictures that the, uh, the thunder puts him. <laughs> maybe, maybe he plays better on Ivermectin. I don't know. Oh, shut get, Stop. <laughs> stop. That considered a PED. Um, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. hey, hey, he's vaxxed and dewormed. We're good to go. <laughs> it's going to start calling Darius Baisley the horse. 
Gross. Um, I don't like that. Yeah, neither anyway. do I. Sounds like you're making a penis reference. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I'm going under on Baisley. Um, I, so where are you putting think... put the points at? He's at 13.7. Okay. What, what are He's you going at... with? I'm going to go closer to 10. Oh, um, I. That's hot. Hold on. And... Hold on. Pause. <laughs> I'm sweating. You tell me that motherfucker hot you alive, motherfucker. And the reason is it goes back to field goal attempts. I don't think he's shooting 12 and a half times mm. per game. And when you look at the other guys or that were is, shooting, it's not gonna be good. Yeah. The the other guys that were shooting or that were scoring around 10, they're shooting like nine and a half point or nine and a half attempts per game. That feels like a much better range for Bayes. Even if he's shooting 10 or 11 a game and keeping on those bad percentages, that's gonna put him at about 10. So yeah. That's my rationale. Fair. So you said closer to 10. You want to put it at like 11? You want to put it at 10 Let's and go a half? 10.6. Oh, <laughs> I like the specificity of that. Very nice. Very nice. Gentlemen, do you mind if I take the last one? Yeah, you get it. it. You get the fun one because you've been hosting. You get this one. The final guy on our list is one Shea Gilgis Alexander. Played 45 46. games. 46 points per game. <laughs> Take it or leave it. He played 35 <laughs> games last season, scored 23.7 points per game on 16 field goal attempts. Insanely efficient, 51% from the field, 42% from three on five attempts a game, 80% from the free throw line. My man was 50-42-81 last season, Ooh. shot six and a half free throw attempts a game. This is an interesting one. I realistically, I can see the 16.1 field goal attempts per game going up. Uh, when you look at the rest of the team, Al Horford last season shot 13 shots per game. We've already talked about how Lou and Dort, uh, Lou and Dort, Lou, Lou Dort, and Darius Baisley's numbers probably going down. Homie shot nine times a game last season. He's gone. George Hill shot nearly nine times a game last season. He's gone. Zvima Hailuk shot nine and a half times a game last season. He's gone. Tony Bradley shot five and a half times. Moses Brown shot six times. See, I like this because that's where some of these we were talking about, like what gives, like what gives is those players are no longer. On yeah, players. a lot of those high so usage guys are gone. Those to yep. the Giddies and the Trey Mans and those kind of players are coming e on. Exactly. We talked about Lou probably being more efficient. Uh, we talked about how Baisley needs to be a little more efficient. I want to temper expectations a little bit on August 29th. It's really, really, really freaking hard in the NBA to shoot 51% from the field, 42% from three, when, yeah. especially when most of your threes are self-created off the dribble. Right. Right. Shea might not be as efficient next season as he was this season. Actually, I would bet money that he's going to see a dip in efficiency. Mm -hmm. It's just going to happen. He's got younger players, less vets, He's going to have to do more self-creation. He's going to play more games. It's just going to be more challenging for him, right? But we also know that Shea led the league in drives per game last year. He's been working on his body all summer. I think you are going to see uh, that 5.3 free throw, or sorry, 6.5 free throw attempts a game go up. I think you could see it at eight, eight and a half, which would be massive. And yep, so even though huge. I believe his efficiency will drop, even if it's slightly, I think it will drop. 
I think you're going to see the field goal attempts go up. Uh, one, one and a half, two field goal attempts a game. I think you're going to see the free throw attempts go up. Uh, I, I think one and a half free throw attempts more per game is realistic. And because of that, I can see his points per game going from like 23.7 up to like 25. Is that crazy? No, no. I think that's fair. Because <laughs> yeah. that's kind of what we're hoping for too. I think the thing I keep coming back coming back to is like, I, I do think Shea is that kind of player. I think he is going, we are going to see exactly what you just mentioned, Jacob. And we talked about this again on Wednesday, but if Shea is, is going to make that kind of jump and is going to be as great of a player as we expect him to be this coming season, if Poku makes the kind of leaps that we think, if Bays and Dort are playing a more of an efficient um, role within a system and not so much just like let them lose kind of thing, but are playing really well, when you bring in like a Josh Giddy um, with those starters and you and obviously Trey Mann coming off the bench and you're continuing to develop Ty Jerome. Like how good is this team next season? Are they, it, it, we're not talking like maybe we are, but uh, play in kind of team, but like if they are flirting with the play in, then you're probably not getting nearly as good as a draft pick that as you're wanting for this next yeah. coming season. So I then think it's you a find lot yourself closer that they're like bottom five in the league than play in. Right. And so then like what gives here? Are we just way too high on all these players? I, I no. think part of it's that they're going to get cooked defensively. I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. With so many young guys. That's fair. And we've talked about it before, but I think they overachieved last season. I think that their record was better than it should have was better than it should have been. And I, you, you hope that lightning doesn't strike twice in that regard, that if they're shooting for a high draft pick, you don't overachieve in that fashion once again. Um, but who knows? Yep. We will see uh, a fun stat here. Shea's rookie year. He took 2.4 free throw attempts a game. His first season, no KC that doubled up to 5.1 last season. It jumped to 6.5. I don't think a jump from six point five to eight is unrealistic. I don't. True. I don't think I'm not at all. I'm stretching there. Team. Yeah, nope. with this team and with what his role will be, mm-hmm. and with his ability to play and pick and roll and play an ISO and break his man down and get to the basket, and his unorthodox herky jerky type of game, I think is going to lend itself to him getting more contact at the rim, uh, and yep. I think that that's what the greats do. Yep. Right. right. Agreed. Maybe they're not super efficient, but I mean, look at James Harden. Dude lives at the line, right? Because he's found a way to create contact. I think that's really the next, offensively, that's the next evolution of Shea's game. Agreed. And, and so I, I could see his his points per game uh, climbing there. I agree. So sure. another stat, Shea was only assisted on 30% of his threes this past season, yet was 41% on pull-up threes. So when he has this team, like the this the uh this roster of positionless basketball players who um can facilitate and help him out like one thing that i want to see him and, and prove probably isn't the right term here just he's going to have more opportunity to do it this season is the pull up three or sorry not the, pull up, the catch and shoot three the opposite i want to see him his catch and shoot three percentage um be a little more efficient there because he's going to have playmakers like giddy and poku doing a little more playmaking to set him up more. I think that's going to help him there as well, pretty tremendously. And also from a playmaking standpoint himself, like how does he utilize this new young talent, these other young playmakers around him? Um, 
I'm curious if he just takes on a pure score, scoring role for this team or if he's able to facilitate and include some of these other players. It's going to be fun. I cannot wait to kind of start to see what this team looks like in mm-hmm. preseason. Uh, gentlemen, this was a blast. Uh, I think it was very insightful. I want to let you know, we went through eight players tonight. Recap them. Kenrich Williams, Isaiah Roby, Ty Jerome, Alexei Pokashevsky, Teo Maladone, Lou Dort, Darius Baisley, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Of those eight off our points per game for them next season, they total at 100.4, which means between Derek Favors, Mike Muscala, Josh Giddy, Trey yeah. Mann, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and others, if we're shooting for the Thunder being at middle of the pack compared to last year, that leaves 13 points left for all those guys. <laughs> so, LOL. Yeah, I think another thing that that this that this exercise has shown us maybe is some of these guys and their numbers that we put down they're not going to get there. Yep. Correct. That they're not going to get there. You know, and so it's going to be fascinating to see where the breaking Share point the wealth. is. Yeah. Um it's going to yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to see where that breaking point is. I have a few thoughts on where it could end up. Um like looking at Ty Jerome and Teo Maladone combining for 22 points per game on average. We Just don't that see way. that happening, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Isaiah Roby and Kenrich Williams combining for 15 points a game. I don't know if that's going to happen. So we'll see. Darius Paisley getting 10? Probably not. <laughs> yes. So there's going to be some give and take there. Um, I mean, someone's got to make way for Josh Giddy's 20-piece a game, right? So mm-hmm. we'll, uh, yes. well, we, we got to see where that comes in at. So, well, this was a fun one, guys. We are closing in less than a month away from training camp opening. It'll be here soon. Cannot wait. And hey, we also have football this week. Mm, so the, the summer drought is over, at least uh, as far as quality sports are concerned. <laughs> if you enjoy baseball, no offense. I just, just, just not my cup of tea. <laughs> I'm with you. So anything else from you guys before we jump out of here? Yeah, Nine. I'm just going to say, yeah, the football picking up. I'm super excited for that. I have uh, both of my fans, fancy football drafts this week. So uh, there you go. Closer and closer. Exciting. Exciting. Like 50 days until the NBA regular season. Less than that at this point, I think. We're, we're coming up quick. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for joining the Uncontested tonight. If you watched the live stream, thanks so much. We enjoyed having you along, seeing you engage in the chat. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, thanks so much. Drop a five-star rating if you enjoyed what you heard. Hit that subscribe button. Again, we'll have podcasts dropping every Sunday and Wednesday nights. You can catch the pods live on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Just follow The Uncontested at any of those places. We will not be doing the Spotify green room moving forward. However, make sure to check Twitter as we will be doing Twitter spaces from the uncontested account on some Mondays and Fridays just to hang out leading up to the start of the season, preseason, training camp, all that good stuff. Have a great start to your week. Please stay safe, stay healthy. We will talk to you guys again right here Wednesday night, so make sure to make plans and come and join us. Until then, and as always, Thunder Up! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.